Hello, I'm Mike Santora, Associate Editor for Design World Magazine and BearingTips.com, and welcome to this edition of the Bearing Tips Podcast. Today I am here with CCTY Bearing Company's Director of North America, Evan Pulakitis. Evan, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Mike. So, just a moment ago, we were, we were talking a little bit about creativity and, and how important it is in the design process. Can you tell me a little bit about how creativity works for CCTY and, and, and what you're doing to help facilitate that when you're designing new components? Well, I, I think the first thing that, that CCTY does, and I think it it does it very well, is we look at applications and trying to find a solution that isn't a me-too solution, that we try to go to a different level, whether it's making it lighter or stronger or faster. Our goal is never to copy somebody else's uh, type of uh, solution, but to find our own solution. And that takes a team uh, of creative people to come up with sometimes out-of-box solutions, but uh, we really encourage it at every level of our company. So, Evan, have, have you been seeing an increase in people coming to you for custom solutions? I know for a while we were hearing that a lot of that was happening, but has that tapered off or is it continuing? No, it's actually, Mike, uh, for, for our company especially, because we work kind of in a different arena than uh, many other bearing companies. First of all, our, our model is different in the sense that everything we warehouse is for a customer and a contract. So um, 95% of everything we do are unique solutions and dedicated to the actual customer. And we're finding that people um, are also being creative on the other side, and they expect that creativity to continue with the bearing company. And I think that's why they choose CCTY because they've seen some of our our designs and you know want that kind of design in their products. I can tell you that on a number of applications, customers will take their uh, competitor's item and take it apart, and they'll find it's a CCTY solution, and then they want something similar. So, if the expectation or the reputation that you have within the industry is for being able to come up with creative solutions, and they people kind of go to you specifically for that. On your end of things, how do you inspire your team to keep the creative spirit going? I think that's actually from uh, top to bottom. That that includes warehouse people being involved in, in finding different ways to do things in the warehouse. It, it From the manager's standpoint, um, we encourage not only our sales engineers, so we have sales engineers and then we have obviously design engineers. Every major project we do is a team-oriented type of project and everyone's invited to participate where there's no wrong ideas, there's no wrong answers. We really kind of push the envelopes on certain elements of our bearings and to see if they work. And our our testing center allows us to be really creative because we have the ability to test our, our ideas before we go to the customer and say, hey, we have a much better way of doing this and here's the proof of it. And when they see what we do, they get inspired because now they they say, oh, well, if we can do that, for instance, we can make on a forklift truck the mass smaller so the driver can see it better. Um, those are the kind of initiatives that our engineers take. And as a team, again, it goes back to, you know, everybody who's hired here, everybody, I don't care who you are, they matter, they know they matter, and they come up with different ideas. Yeah, that actually brings me to my next question. What that level of inclusion 
for for everybody in the process actually does for helping inspire creativity. Was it always like that when you started? Uh, was it something that you had to actively work to develop? What has been the uh, the experience since you started doing that? Well, I think to begin with, when we started the company, the idea was to um, have a company, and, and, and this sounds very altruistic, but to develop a culture and a company where people really wanted to come to work, and and the idea for that really is is the foundation of the company is, you know, in my other job before here, I think we lost the entrepreneurship of um, being able to do that. And here we try to create, um, everyone takes ownership of what they're doing. And I think they get excited about that. They look forward to coming here. It's not an impressive environment. And, you know, as long as I'm here, I hope to be able to keep that type of spirit going. And it's a real spirit. You feel it the minute you walk in here and um, everyone's engaged. So it, it sounds like you have a good environment to actually be able to create. What are some of the newer applications that we can expect to see coming from your team uh, down the line? Well, I, I think the newest one for us has been the, the square ball U-joint, and that has the ability to possibly revolutionize the entire U-joint industry. We've had so many inquiries on that application, and every day somebody else calls up and, and says, hey, I think this could work in our type of applications. It's on test at, at so many different places right now. So I think the U-joint is, for us, an exciting event. But there's so many new um, ideas coming out. Everyone, again, wants uh, stronger, lighter, smaller bearings, whether it's different types of materials, ceramics. Um, the bushing uh, industry has changed greatly. You have a lot of customers wanting to go from a rolling element uh, type of bearing, such as a needle bearing, to uh, a bushing and the bushing materials that are being developed. We have a whole research and development area just dedicated to producing new materials for bushings. And I see bushings becoming even more and more used in, in a lot of applications that you've seen um, rolling element bearings. Yeah, that's a good point. Frequently when I'm on trade show floors or whatnot, I'm having these kinds of conversations Frequently what I hear is that the material science in R&D departments for certain companies are very busy lately. You know, the, that that's really where the, the new development and people kind of see the, the future of the industry going. Can you tell me a little bit more about the bearing industry and where you think it's headed in the next five years overall? You know, that that's a really good question, Mike. We've seen a number of what I would call lower-level bearing companies not survive that have gone under um, because they really haven't won. Uh, they've all gone after what I would say commodity type of sizes. I think the the companies that are really thriving right now have decided what they're what they do well and continue to make that well and continue to develop the bearings to a different level. And those those are the bearing companies that I think you're going to see around. Obviously, the automotive uh, arena drives a lot of the bearing manufacturers, and the automotive uh, arena right now is requiring so many different types of bearings for so many different applications. Again, that's, you know, the loads and, and the speeds that these bearings have to measure up to is something that I think is going to uh, continue to uh, challenge the bearing manufacturers to meet. And um, I, I just I just see a 
a lower a level manufacturer probably not surviving um, in the coming years. And uh, the creative side bearing manufacturers will thrive. If you could tell me a little bit more about the, the future of bearings with relation to the Chinese market. Yeah, so uh, regarding the Chinese market, obviously there's a big focus on that market. And first and foremost, I, I think you have to applaud China in the sense of, you know, they have an entire university dedicated to bearings and bearings engineers. So they take bearings probably more serious than any other country that I, I know of that dedicates the kind of resources to developing um, good uh, bearing engineers. But what's really occurred in China over the last few years, and you see it on a daily basis, is the fact that the environmental control that the government is putting on has forced a lot of bearing companies to go under because they cannot meet um, the requirements now put on by the Chinese government. Um, just on a personal view, I've been doing China for 30 years, and in the last three or four years, it's literally the first time that I've seen blue sky, and I think that all relates to the uh, environmental controls, and China's government is very serious about cleaning up their act, which is good for all those people, but it also forces companies to do things and invest in ways of not polluting the environment, which we CCTY has done an incredible job of meeting those standards and, and really believes um, that we're doing the right thing, um, that we're being a good uh, guardian of the planet. And um, I can't say that's true for everyone in China. I mean, it's, it's um, I think if more companies took the whole idea of, hey, you know, we're, we're in CCTY is in good shape, but we also owe the people in our area a clean environment, then I think you would see, you know, more uh, of the cleaner skies and cleaner water in China. But the, the forces that have put uh, some of these bearing companies and other, like, uh, plating companies out of business is for the good of, of the people, really. But it, it, it has hurt a lot of bearing companies. Yeah, that's such an interesting take, I think, because that's that's what everybody is talking about right now is the sure. environmental concerns with, with manufacturing. And there's... I guess to put it mildly, there's more than a little instability in terms of domestically the the direction we're going to take. Do you do you foresee other bearing companies following suit and taking China's lead or CCTY's lead, or do you, do you see people pushing back if uh, if if we deregulate and people don't have to abide by those rules? Um, who knows what's going to happen? Where, where do you see that going domestically? Well, you know, on the domestic front, um, when, when you c compare the domestic front here to China, certainly we're, we're light years ahead of where they are. Um, so it, it's really, you know, we still all have to make a living. We still all have to have the ability to, it, it is a global economy. And, you know, the, the amount of regulations, I think, in the United States right now is so much greater than other areas of the world that, um, we have to be very careful of how far we go with it um, in order to stay competitive because, like I said, it is a global economy. For instance, now with the tariffs, the Chinese tariffs going on, there's a lot of companies moving out of China, some moving back to the United States, some moving to Vietnam, and many moving to India. Um, and, and some of that future bearing production in China will move to India for sure. We're, we're in the midst of building a brand-new plant um, to start 
making bearings out of India to, to certainly get away from the Chinese tariffs. Fascinating. Well, Evan, thank you so much for being here. A lot of great insight. And of course, for everybody out there, for more on these topics and other bearing-related content, you can go to bearingtips.com. <laughs>